welcome back to episode 26 of The Chimwag. It is me, Woody. Uh, me, Tufty. And joining us today is Matt Bater. So Matt, say hello. Tell us who you are. Brief introduction to you. Hello, I'm Matt and I'm from church. <laughs> really <laughs> covering the... the... <laughs> That was a brief introduction, you know. True, I guess you interpreted the instructions very literally there, which, fair enough. <laughs> How long have you been at Whitcombe? Depends when you count I started at Whitcombe. So if you count when I came back to Whitcombe in 2015, then six years. If you count when I was born, then 37 and a bit years. So whichever way you count it. So you keep oscillating between being at Whitcombe and not being at Whitcombe. Exactly. Right, grand. Well, shall we jump into the questions we want to ask you straight away? Because, Matt, we know that you've been out of Romania quite a few times to see Attila. You've even stayed there, I'm pretty sure, for an extended period of time. Why don't you tell us about Romania, what it's like out there, and some of your highlight moments, anything wacky which has happened to you? Well, Romania's amazing. Good place to go if you ever can. Come on one of the trips to Romania, then go for it, because I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And... Uh, Actually, before I went with Ross, I think it was 2015 I first went there. And before that initial trip, I'd not done anything like that before in terms of like overseas mission, you could say. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know how I'd find it, but I actually uh, just really enjoyed it. And it was just especially good to see somewhere where the gospel was bearing fruit you could say you know and in in a sort of more so than here if you see what I mean I'm I'm not saying the gospel doesn't bear fruit in this country but there are a lot of people being saved through Attila's work and so it's just amazing to go somewhere and and, and see that and meet very different culture and yeah just just see what was going on there both on the practical helping of people and the preaching of the gospel and people coming to know Christ. I realise we should probably clarify what we mean by Romania and the Romania trip because we may have some listeners who are completely unfamiliar with that. Do you want to quickly fill us in on the background details? So a couple of times a year Ross organises some trips to go out to Transylvania which is part of Romania and do some children's clubs uh, and other ministries for adults as well amongst the Roma Gypsy communities uh, which is where Attila the pastor I've mentioned is, is focused and you know, his heart is called to, to helping and, and bringing the gospel to them. So they're a very poor people, one of the poorest peoples in, in, in Europe. And so that, that makes it very different, but it is still somewhere where the gospel is bearing fruit. So like I say, it's, a, it's amazing to see that. Mm. I remember the first time I went and there's this giant church in the centre of this gypsy village, which gets absolutely packed when services happen and it's just so encouraging to see mm. people responding to Jesus and seeing him yeah loved in a culture which isn't ours and as you say Matt many people coming to Christ out there which That's right. makes it incredibly difficult for Attila but you know it's a good problem to mm. have. Such a beautiful location for a church as well mm. for a church building because it uh, it's got quite big windows and you can just see like sheep and cows and mm. things around <laughs> and uh, wouldn't normally see that outside the church window so no no now gypsy life is interesting and the romania trips are always exciting like are there any um funny moments from your experiences out there which you want to tell us about i mean there was there was the time when a guy came up to me with a a sledgehammer (laughs) 
I, I was just waiting in the car. It's about five in the morning in this in this village, and then a quite angry looking guy just comes up with a sledgehammer. What's start, you? Starts waving it and then like giving me serious facial expressions. And then as soon as he gets like within about two feet of the car, he just smiles and just laughs and goes ha ha, you know, and then goes away. <laughs> so that was interesting. There was one time where I encountered what I thought was a rather rebellious youth. So he was a kid about, say, 10, 10, 11. And I was taking him and his mum to prison to visit their brother or Mm. son brother. And uh, it was quite a long journey. And it was at that time, it was about minus seven in temperature. Mm. So quite cold. And the kid, who was quite annoying, insisted on opening all the back windows, uh, electric windows, to their widest point. And just, you know, not even just like a crack, but just completely wide. So minus seven temperature air was, you know, blowing around the whole car. And I was like, man, I started closing, then he'd open it, and then I'd close it, and then he'd open it again. And I was like thinking, this kid is so annoying. I'm just like... so. In the end, I closed them and I found the lock button, the child lock at the front, so I locked them, okay, and, and I thought, that's it, you know, I've, I've won here. But then he threw up everywhere and I, I just, uh, I felt absolutely terrible and I was like, because I couldn't really communicate. I didn't know it was because he was feeling sick. So I, I did feel really bad. So, yeah. And Adele wasn't, wasn't very happy when her car came back covered in sick. <laughs> yeah, so I cleaned it for her. You'll be glad to know. But yeah, there we are. I learnt my lesson then, just to, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. not misread a situation. Mm. I was judging him. I was thinking, you're being horrible. You know, you're being. No, he wasn't. He was just feeling absolutely terrible. Uh, can you tell us about the. Um... Oh, yes, yes. Um, that was another time when I took a couple of gypsies to visit their relatives. It was a maybe an hour or two's drive away in another village and this couple and we got there and they were very welcoming they gave me some food they gave me something to drink and then they said basically this lady had a daughter that was about 17 who lived in the other village for some reason and she they said oh can you tell us what you think of her prom dress she's got her prom (laughs) And she wants to know what you think of her prom dress. And so basically I said, yeah, sure, no problem. So she came out, she had a very beautiful prom dress, you know, just as you can imagine, you know, very pretty sort of ball gown type thing. And, and I said, yeah, very nice, you know, very, very nice prom dress. And that's, I didn't really think much of it. And uh, that was that. Yeah, so I went back and later on I was telling Attila about that and he says, oh, well, actually, that 17-year-old girl, they were actually offering her as your your wife. You know, that was what that was all about. I said, no. He said, yeah. So, anyway. I'm kind of glad I didn't know because it would have been more uncomfortable. You know, prom desk recommendation, that's fine. But, you know, if I thought, here is a wife for you, I'd be like, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Just a slight cultural misunderstanding. Uh, what do you do, Matt? I don't actually know. Yeah, so at the moment, I don't actually have a sort of full-time 
employed job, but mm-hmm. I am trying to sort of split my time in three ways. Mm-hmm. One of which is preaching and sort of um, doing things with church. Another thing would be training, doing some online training in, well, mainly in computing and IT and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is some business things. Yeah. So uh, those three areas. Mm. Okay. And mm. business things. Mm. Talk us through those. Well, I get lots of ideas. Most of my business stuff I actually do. What I aspire to do and what I actually do are very different. So the things I actually do are really quite boring, don't take up too much time. And yeah, it's not, it's kind of more investing rather than actually running business. But I would like to, would like to run my own business perhaps, but, but I'm more someone to have ideas and aspirations rather than actually, actually do stuff. So yeah. Fair enough. Wackiest ideas so far? I'm just trying to think. I've had quite a few wacky ideas. I did once ask Emily Rose, if her dad would be prepared to buy me an airship, you know, a blimp. <laughs> he doesn't know, I, don't, I doubt he even knows about this. I said, Emily Rose, would your dad be able to buy me an airship? And I will give people rides across Bath in the airship. And that would be a way of generating a bit of an income. And she said, uh, no. So, so did he have access to these? Well, no, I just asked him for the money. Oh, right. Buy okay. one. <laughs> okay. So that was the idea that she, Can, she put me off. Are they easy to get hold of? Or? Well, I think, you know, for that price. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be so cool. That, you know, I was thinking, but wow. she didn't she seem to think it was such a good business idea. <laughs> so. like, where would you park it? You know, Oldfield Park is bad enough for getting your car Well, it's street. a blimp. You can land it in the wreck, you know, take off from there, fly to Victoria Park. <laughs> You know, there's so many things. This is, I think, this is a good idea. You know, just park it above your house now, like a giant rope ladder going up. Yeah. So, but then I found out they cost about fifteen million pounds. Really? Which is a bit of a problem, I think. You know, so quite a lot of money. I don't think you're going to get that money back just <laughs> taking people on little rides around Bath. So no, I, I, wow. You know, maybe if you're out there and you're into business, maybe you can just like you've thought somewhere can tweak that and make it profitable. That'd be great. And if you've got fifteen million pounds, <laughs> that'd be good. Thank you. We can include that data's contact details in the email if anyone wants to take them up on this excellent business venture. <laughs> Million. <laughs> uh, so what have you guys been up to this week? Anything else? Or what are you going to be up to? Oh, I am going on it. We're recording this on Friday. I'm going off for a stag do later. But we're playing cricket and hmm. I can't play cricket. My hand-eye coordination and ability to throw a ball are, are very limited. <laughs> so I'll be pleased if I get more than a duck in, in, in this cricket match. Get a duck? Yeah, so a duck is zero. Oh, right, okay. I think, is it a golden <laughs> duck if you go out I just thought it was ball. like if the ball hits a duck. I think there's multiple what? levels. Oh, <laughs> I want to just process that. <laughs> and you get to keep the duck. Yeah. There is a famous picture, a uh, video on YouTube of someone hitting a bird, isn't there? Have you seen that? A picture? Oh, I wouldn't surprise A video. Me. Like, oh. he hits the bat and then it just hits a bird out of the air and it falls wow. down. It's amazing. Kills it. Wow. Well, I don't know, maybe it was just stunned. Oh. <laughs> might have had a bit of CPR. It's a very optimistic way of looking at the. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. you know. 
It's what all the young mothers would have told their young children. Yeah. It's fine, little Jimmy. He was just <laughs> resting after getting hit by that ball. What about you? What are you doing this week? What am I doing this weekend? I'm going down to Surrey to see some friends. And, uh, yeah, there's some guys. I, I, I got to know this guy from London City Mission, hmm. uh, working there. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just going to go and catch up with him and stay with him for a weekend. He's in the army. Oh, so, uh, very nice. Yeah, interesting to go to sort of an army camp. Oh. Yeah. I can imagine. Did you also say you're going shooting? Yes, yeah, he's going to take me shooting. Ah, oh, really? Which I'm kind of a bit scared, really, to be honest. I'm not, I've never done that. So, I mean, I've, you know, shot some, like, not real guns. But <laughs> you played Nerf with the youth. It's, you know, <laughs> exactly. Nerf is not quite the same. Shotgun, proper shotgun. Oh, what are you going to shoot? Pigeons. Real ones? Made from clay. <laughs> oh, right. Clay okay. pigeons. Okay, good. So oh. that, that is what I'm going to shoot. And yeah, hopefully I'll survive it. And by the time this broadcast goes out, I'll still be alive. Mm. So hopefully, indeed. Have you ever shot a gun? I haven't. No, but my mum has trained our Labradors at home to act as gun dogs, and so she gets mm. to go on shoots. And some well, often she's doing the beating, where you essentially walk through the field with a stick, and then your dogs off lead, flushing out the pheasants. The perk of that is you then get to take a load of birds home. So often during shooting season, the garage is just full of pheasants strung up and mm. occasionally she brings back duck which is oh, amazing <laughs> and there was one time where someone just gave her a, a monk jack deer for like 30 quid or something which <laughs> was a brilliant deal so yeah mm. i'm all for shooting i'll probably have to put a trigger <laughs> warning in for the vegans aren't we <laughs> controversial so now have you got anything fun lined up well tonight i'm going to this moroccan restaurant in town near Pontney bridge because my parents are staying above it in an airbnb and it's all moroccan themed and it's really cool but i'm gonna go with my cousins from came down and have a meal there because my parents really like morocco moroccan food oh shout out to Tajin. Sana's cousins yeah so that'll be nice and i think we're gonna go to like a national trust garden tomorrow because mom's birthday ah very which nice which one are you going to durham park watch yeah. out for the tits actually oh forget <laughs> that but basically Wait, what it, it's irrelevant because okay. basically they shot all the deers. So there used to be some they deer... They shot them all? They shot them all. Why? Yeah. So it's really sad. But <laughs> basically, it used to... For years and years, Deer and Park had these wonderful deer who, you know, just would roam around and look pretty. And, yeah, and I heard this year that there'd been an outbreak of TB. And oh, so no. for their own sake, they had to shoot them all. So I don't know, I don't know if they're back <laughs> Savage. Yet. It is pretty savage, oh. but apparently it was for their own welfare. It wasn't just like... <laughs> Oh, disease little deer, bang. You know, it wasn't like that. It was like actually to stop them suffering. Oh, no. But yeah, so I went there a couple of years ago and I decided I, I got a pretty decent camera. I decided I wanted to get some nice close-up shots of the deer. Mm. And I was wearing shorts. Oh. And uh, I, I got quite low in the grass <laughs> to take these shots of the deer up, uh, up close. And anyway, the next day I kind of thought, oh, what's that... Um, oh. What's that kind of um, mole on the back of my knee? I don't remember that mole on the back of my knee before. And then I kind of looked a bit closer and then I suddenly realised that the mole was, do- was kind of wriggling its legs. And I'm like, moles don't normally have legs. <laughs> and so I was um, a bit freaked out and thought, oh, I'm going to get Lyme disease. Mm. And so I thought, 
I probably need to get this removed. So I actually just went to A&E. I know that's a bit, uh, all the doctors are going to be like wasting time. But anyway, <laughs> I just wanted to get this thing out. So oh, no. I went there and then the nurse said, get the tick twister. <laughs> and then she got the tick twister, mm. got you it can... out. And it was still alive and it crawled along. Oh. The, and then she squatted it. Yeah. As long as so, you can't just pull them out because they leave. Well, that's it. That's why, you know, I felt a hospital visit was necessary. I support your decision. Man. I support Good. Your thank you. Are they still there? What, the ticks? Yeah. Well, if they're, they're in the deer, so I think... Oh, that, okay. Yeah, so that's why I mentioned the deer was because that's what the... Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I've got that all wrong. I'm sorry to sort of move the... <laughs> it's back to your weekend mind. and your... Yeah, but just... Yeah, there's, you don't have to worry because the deer are gone, so you're safe. Okay. It's a good thing Susanna's mum's not going to hear this podcast until after she's been <laughs> <That's to, true. laughs> to the garden. The beauty of hindsight, she'll be like, oh, we talk about ticks and all the... Indeed. Now we need to transition to the thought for the day. Yeah, it's quite hard. Okay. How can uh, you go from a tick to thought for the day? No, I've got nothing. Mm. Well, there might be ticks on the island of Lewis, which is where the setting of our thought for the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. can be done. There we go. So, recently, Paul has been talking a little bit about revival times when God moves powerfully, unusually powerfully, you could say. And I, I just thought, rather than sort of making up my own talk, I'd just read an account of a revival just so that we can see what can happen. doesn't mean it's the normal, usual way things operate, but it just shows you a little bit of, of what can happen when God moves in revival. So this is an account of a revival that took place on the island of Lewis off the coast of Scotland between 1949 and 1953. And we have uh, some excer- I've got some excerpts here of a first-hand, first-hand account of the revival given by Duncan Campbell, who was the preacher God mainly used in, in that revival. Okay, so these are his words. When God stepped down, suddenly... Men and women all over the parish were gripped by the fear of God. The Holy Spirit began moving among the people. A minister writing about what happened on the following morning said this, You met God on meadow and moorland. You met him in the homes of the people. God seemed to be everywhere. What was that? Revival. Revival. Not of an evangelist, not of special effort, not anything at all organised on the basis of human endeavour, but an awareness of God that gripped the whole community so much that work stopped. I can remember once within 24 hours addressing eight meetings, crowded churches. There was a dance in progress one night, and while a young man was praying in the aisle of the church, the power of God moved into the dance and the young people... Over a hundred of them fled from the dance as though fleeing from a plague and they made for the church. When I endeavoured to get up into the pulpit, I found the way blocked with young people who had been at the dance. When I went into the pulpit, I found a young woman, a graduate of Aberdeen University, who was at the dance and she was lying on the floor of the pulpit crying, Is there mercy for me? Is there mercy for me? Is there mercy for me? God was at work. Well, that meeting continued until four o'clock in the morning. On another occasion, someone came and said, 
Mr. Campbell, there must be anything between two and three hundred people at the police station. They're gathered there and some are on their knees. I can't understand this. And a crowd of, a crowd of men and women from a neighbouring village five or six miles away was so moved by God that they found themselves moving to the police station because the constable there was a God-fearing and well-saved man. On yet another occasion, someone came to me and said, will you come to the door of the church and see the crowd that's here? This was at 11pm, mind you, at 11pm. And I went to the door and there must have been a congregation of between six and 700 people gathered around the church. And within a matter of minutes, the church was crowded at a quarter to midnight. Now, where did the people come from? How did they know that a meeting was in progress in the church? Well, I cannot tell you, but I know this, that from village and hamlet, the people came. Were you to ask some of them today, what was it that moved you? They couldn't tell you, only that they were moved by a power that they could not explain and the power was such as to give them to understand and see that they were hell-deserving sinners. And of course, the only place they could think of where they might find help was at the church. Now that is a fact that cannot be disputed. God was everywhere. And because of this awareness of God, the churches were crowded. Crowded through the day right through the night till five and six in the morning. My dear people... Do you good folk understand what revival means? Have you a conception of what, it God, of what it means to see God working? The God of miracles, sovereign, supernatural, moving in the midst of men and hundreds swept into the kingdom. Oh, that we might see it. Oh, that we might see it. Wow. Thank you, Matt. I was not what I was expecting for a day. <laughs> But that, 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 that's great, and that was Duncan Campbell's account. Duncan of... Campbell of the, and he was a kind of a Presbyterian, so you know, just kind of Whitcomb-style church, you know, not necessarily the sort of minister and that you'd necessarily expect to be involved with something like that, but it happened. Yeah. When was that? This was between nineteen forty-nine and nineteen fifty-three. I would love to ask or discuss follow-up questions, but we're already on 26 minutes. Really? <laughs> and given what you probably... Normally we would, the podcast would end about four minutes ago. So I would recommend that people follow up on that revival themselves and do some more reading. Mm. But in the meantime, we're going to recommend some other things you can do. So Matt, why don't you keep the floor? What's something you want to share with the audience? Okay, um, briefly then, a book called... Moody Without Sankey, which is a biography of D.L. Moody, the evangelist. And you have to try and, as you read it, spot the similarities between D.L. Moody and Attila, if you know Attila <laughs> and you're familiar with him, because there's some uncanny resemblances. Hmm. OK, cool. I, I... But Victorian era. Hmm. Right. I'd be quite curious to read that. Do you have a copy? I do. Would people be able to borrow your copy? Or are you quite they protected can. on it? There you can. <laughs> ah, marvellous, marvellous. Susanna, um, your recommendation? Mine is another restaurant. I went to the Hare and Hounds yesterday with mm, my parents. Yes. Um, very beautiful location. Like They've got loads of decking outside, looking over the countryside. The food was really good. A bit expensive, but perfect to take your parents to, which is what I did. So if you want to <laughs> take someone else with you, it's a good place. Then we had a nice walk um, 
kind of through the fields, past Beckford Tower, up towards the race course, did a little loop, and it was beautiful. So I definitely recommend, you can get a bus up there as well. It was a nice place to go in the evening, because it also had fairy lights and things. So I would definitely recommend going there for like a special occasion or something, that'd be nice. My recommendation is an app called Too Good To Go, and I, <laughs> I'm excited to share this one. So essentially, end of the day, a restaurant or a shop like Greg's has got loads of food, which is going spare and it's going to get thrown away. So too good to go. The way it works is you say uh, you pay, I don't know, £2, £3, £4, and it reserves a bunch of random food from that restaurant and puts it in a thing called a magic bag. And you rock up to the restaurant and say, hello, here's the app. Here's my order. Can I have a magic bag, please? They give it to you and you get all sorts of random stuff. So for example, on Tuesday, yeah, it was Tuesday. No, hang on, sorry, it was Wednesday. I paid £2.13, I think, and from Greg's I got four sausage rolls, two, like, Bakewell tart things, two yum-yums, and a ham salad baguette. Another day I went to a bakery, I paid £4, and I got a nut loaf, two donuts, a bacon and cheese turnover, a ham baguette, a plain baguette, a apple danish, and a cinnamon swirl. That just sounds amazing. It is amazing. And very unhealthy. There was salad in the ham baguette, which I ate. Now, granted, I did put loads of salad cream in it to make it not taste of salad, but that's beside the point. And what's it called again? Too Good To Go. There Too will be a, Good To Go. There will oh. be a link in the email. Brilliant. It's, it makes me nervous, because if everyone from church starts doing it, then I won't be able to get any more magic boxes. But... I'll, I'll put a link, I'll give you guys a link to the whole Duncan Campbell story that's much oh, yeah, longer. That, that'd be great. Oh, that yeah, was that'd the shortened be... version. Okay. Wow, okay, cool, excellent. I'll cool. be follow-up reading. Brilliant. Well, on that bombshell... I think it's time to. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you always say that on that bombshell. I've watched too much Top Gear in my life. <laughs> <laughs> What's the final count? Oh my days! We've well, got 30 nearly thirty minutes, minutes of recording. And there's not been too many gaffes in this. Are one, you editing so. it this week? Oh, yeah. I think if you just cut out my bits, that's fine. <laughs> I won't whole, be offended. The whole point of being on this is so we can hear from you. <laughs> well, in that case, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.